Come on. We are uh, so excited, so grateful to have you worship with us today. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and if we haven't had the privilege of meeting, I would love to connect with you and your family. I'll be out in the lobby after the worship experience, but if you're a first-time guest with us today, we want to say welcome. Church, can you do me a favor? Help me welcome every person here for the first time. Come on. Super excited. If it is your first time, we would love to connect with you. So be sure to stop by the New Here Lounge out in the lobby. We've got a gift that we'd love to give you uh, just as our way of saying thanks for being with us today. I'm so excited to be in week two of this message series called Escaping the Cave. And the whole purpose of this series is we believe that, man, 2020, we may have found ourselves in a dark place, but by the grace of God, we can walk out and experience light. And uh, as we kind of do that, if you missed last weekend's message, one of the things that we talked about is how to deal with suicidal thoughts. And, and I'll just I'll share something with you really quick. Uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with somebody this week who shared with me that they've struggled with suicidal thoughts for the last 10 years. But after last Sunday, this was the first week that they've had freedom in over 10 years. So come on, can we give Jesus some praise? Man, God is doing some awesome stuff, and, uh, and this weekend, I believe, is going to be the same thing. We're going to talk about overcoming exhaustion, but if you missed last weekend's message, be sure to go back. You can find it on our YouTube page. Uh, for, just search Propel Church, and you'll probably see this mug, so you'll know which one it is. We're, uh, but man, excited. If you missed last week, let me give you a little bit of recap to kind of bring you up to speed with where we are as we jump into 1 Kings 19 today. In 1 Kings chapter 18, we see a prophet named Elijah. And Elijah is a, a, a prophet of God, but he goes into this battle with 450 prophets of a God named Baal. And as Elijah has this showdown with them, what ultimately ends up happening is Elijah comes out victorious. And because of the victory, because he's proved that his God is the one that's worthy to be praised, they end up killing the 450 false prophets. The uh, ruler at the time is a lady by the name of Jezebel, and Jezebel sends a letter and says to Elijah that she's going to kill him. Elijah gets so scared, and he flees the country. He drops his friends off at a nearby town, and he finds himself under this broom tree where he's crying out to God, and he says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 through 4, Lord, I'm finished. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm ready for my life to be over. And he asked the Lord to take his life. He says, I'm no better than any of my ancestors. And we find this prophet, this man of God who is completely exhausted and tired. And this is what it says in 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 5. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be available on the screen behind me. If you're watching online, it's just going to magically appear there at the bottom. And if, uh, if you don't have a Bible, let me just say this. We would love to place one in your hands today. Um, I believe I, I, I teach from an iPad every week, but I'm going to be honest. I have a hard time digging into Scripture from an iPad because i got other apps on this thing, right? So you need a Bible. I think you need a paper Bible. It's really great to highlight and, and read, and, and you can see kind of what God's been teaching you. If you don't have a Bible, you can read and understand. We would love to give you one free of charge. Just stop by the Next Steps area. If you're watching online you need a Bible, uh, comment in the chat, and we'll figure it out later. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5 through 9, it says this. Then he laid down, which is, he's talking about Elijah, 
He laid down, he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on some hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. When we find the prophet Elijah, he is just asked the Lord to take his life. He's emotionally spent. He's having all these suicidal thoughts. He's in a dark place. And the next thing that he does is he lays down and sleeps. And I believe one of the reasons why he lays down to sleep is because he is completely exhausted from not just the journey he's had to get here, but how many of you know sometimes the most exhausting thing is the mental stuff? It's dealing with that dark place that you're in that gets you completely exhausted. How many of you have ever been exhausted in the room? Right, the rest of you battle with lying, right? Come on. Like, we have all been exhausted at some point in our lives. And the reason is because our culture and our world teaches us to run a thousand miles an hour. And it, it, it honestly, for a lot of us, we wear busyness as a badge of honor and we wear exhaustion like a medal that, that somehow we're better off because we sleep less than everybody else. And if we just work hard, you know, the, the old saying was, I can sleep when I'm dead. That's not true. That's the first, that's the first conversation Tori and I ever had. Tori and I were talking. Uh, I had just met her like 30 seconds into our conversation she was telling me about missions work. She was telling me about uh, all of this stuff. And she said, well, you know, uh, I, I do all these missions. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, working three jobs, but I can sleep when I'm dead. And I'm like, listen, theologically, that's incorrect. You know, like, I just, that's how my brain works. I'm like, that's, when you die, you don't sleep. Like, that's not what etern eternity is, not just sleep. <laughs> that doesn't work like that. But that's how a lot of us live. We burn the candle at both ends. We run a thousand miles an hour. We do everything we can to accumulate and gain enough stuff. And we work and we work and we work. And physically we're exhausted. But sometimes it's not just physical exhaustion. You ever gone to sleep before and you wake up more tired than you went to bed? Like, how's that work? I thought I was just supposed to sleep and it was going to be fine. Now, when you're exhausted, it's not just a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's an emotional thing. It's a mental thing. Life can be exhausting at times. And for you and I, if we only deal with the physical side of stuff, then we're going to miss out on it. I think that every problem you have physically is actually rooted in something spiritual. And so today I'm going to talk about physical rest, and I'm also going to talk about spiritual rest. I'm going to teach you today how to overcome exhaustion. I think we find it in the text, and the good news for all of us is it's not as complicated as we make it. This is not going to be a deep and profound message. If you're taking notes, write this down. You can overcome exhaustion through rest and nourishment. It's not overly complicated. We make it real complicated. But if we look at the text, we find an exhausted prophet who all he's able to do is go to sleep. But the angel wakes him up and says, hey, it's not just enough for you to sleep. You need some nourishment. So she feeds him. He feeds him. And the next thing you know. 
he goes back to sleep. You ever been there where all you can do is eat and sleep? Come on. For some of y'all, you're like, that sounds great. He goes back to sleep, and he's woken up again. The angel says, hey, you need some more food. Because if you don't eat more right now, you're not going to be ready for the journey that's ahead. And I think what God really wants you and I to do is to be in a season of preparation to get ready for what he has in store for us in the future. But you can't accomplish all that God has called you to do and be exhausted at the same time. I remember years ago I read this verse in Matthew, Matthew chapter 11 through 28, uh, verse 28 through 30. It says this, just as Jesus talking, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Several years ago, I was uh, I, one of the things that I do to intentionally rest is I go away once a quarter for three to five days, just kind of depending on the season. And I get away and I pray. I spend time with God. A lot of times I try and do it like technology lists, so I go completely dark. I leave my laptop in the trunk and like, you, know, you ain't going to be able to get a hold of me. I'm spending time with Jesus. I remember years ago, I was on one of those trips and I read this verse and I just laughed. And I was like, nah, bro, the burden's kind of heavy. <laughs> you ever been there? Like you read the words of Jesus and go, that's not lining up with what I'm going through right now. Yeah. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so I was like, Lord, I don't, I'm not buying it. Like it's heavy. I'm tired. I am weary and burdened, but I'm not feeling anything light about what I'm carrying right now. And I remember God just like gently kind of nudging me to say, either I'm a liar or you do it wrong. And I kind of concluded I was doing it wrong. <laughs> and not kind of, I was. When Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, it, a yoke was something that attached two animals together. And what they would do is it, it was for the purpose of plowing. What Jesus is inviting us into is to be connected to him. But the yoke is less of an instrument used for work. and It's more of an instrument used for discipline. Because you would yoke a weak ox to a strong ox so that that weak ox would become stronger. What Jesus is saying is, hey, if you get in the right rhythm of discipline, if you get connected to me, you're going to actually find life. And when you stay connected to me, you'll realize that the burden really is a lot lighter than you make it. You try and work on your own, you try and work in your own strength, and you won't live out John 15 where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. That's what he's talking about. And so as we kind of talk through this today, the first thing I want to do is I want to talk to you about rest. Rest is incredibly important because the first thing that we see Elijah do is he sleeps. And God has this principle. It's called Sabbath. But let me be very clear. Every single one of us in this room were designed intentionally to rest. Rest is not something that we do because of the fall, because of the broken world. Rest is a part of God's design in perfection. The fall takes place in Genesis chapter 3. But let me show you what Genesis chapter 2 says about rest. It says this, 
By the seventh day, so this is the creation story. God has done something intentional every one of the six days. On the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. Somebody circle that word all from all his work, right? Your day off is not that that your rest day shouldn't be the day you just run every errand you didn't have time to get to during the week. He rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So one of the things that I find so interesting is that God has declared his work thus far good, good, good. He says one thing's not good. That's for man to be alone. But he says it's good, it's good, it's very good. The only time he calls his work holy is when he stops working. What if your work wasn't declared holy until you stopped? Like the rest that God has called every single one of us to is, to, is intentional because it's not until you stop that you realize that you're not actually your provider. God is. We've been ingrained in our culture to run. Some of you, you, you work four jobs, not because you have to, but you choose to because you don't like to be alone with yourself because you don't know how to rest. So whenever you have the opportunity to rest, you just take on your next project. And you work and you work and you work and you work. But rest, the inability to rest is actually a control issue. When we choose to rest, it's an act of surrender. It's where we stop. It's where we slow down. I remember um, early on in the life of our church, when we first started Propel, I'll be honest, I did not rest like at all. I used to brag that I would sleep like two hours a night and, and be like super, in, like, people, how do you function? I don't know. I'm just a man of God. You know, like you brag. <laughs> I used to wear busyness like a badge of honor. And then I realized God's not impressed. Like God wants you healthy. You know, rest is like the only Ten Commandment that we break and are cool with it. If I tell you not to murder, you're like, got that. It shouldn't. Sh- Shouldn't murder. We talk about not stealing. You're like, done. I won't, I won't do that. No other gods before me. The idolatry thing, like that's, that's somewhat difficult sometimes, but we, we're still on board with it. But then when we talk about like taking a day and resting and, and keeping that day, it's like, no, I'm too busy right now. I can't do that. And God wants you to rest. He wants me to rest. It's a part of the design that he has for every single one of us. And here's why. Rest is trusting God to take care of my situation without me. So like sometimes when I'm, there's one side of me that doesn't rest because I'm busy and I have a lot of things to do. The other side of me doesn't rest when I get worried about what the future holds. And the reason why I don't rest is because I'm trying to control the situation. I'm trying to figure out how I can somehow plan my way into fixing all of the problems that I have. But one of the greatest acts of surrender you can do when you're stressed out about what the future holds is just lay your head down at night and go to sleep. Because when you sleep, you're saying, God, I trust you to take care of the world without me. I've flipped it for myself to say, hey, Nick, if you can't sleep, because you're stressed about what's going on, maybe you don't trust God to take care of the world without you. Sleep is something powerful that God has designed for every single one of us. You need physical rest, but you also need spiritual rest. 
You need some time where you're not working or striving, where you're just kind of sitting at the table of the Lord as a son and a daughter and trusting him to take care of you. I would just challenge you, go home and take a nap today. It's okay. Some of you need permission to nap because you don't. I love naps. You ain't got, somebody says, you can take a nap. You ain't got to tell me twice. I'm out. But you need rest. And and here's what I've learned about rest. Um, If you don't plan it, you won't abide by it. Like if you just if you just kind of plan to rest when you get to it, there's always going to be something else. I used to early on, Tori would get on to me because she'd be like, "Man, this season is so busy." And I'd be like, "Babe, in a few weeks this is going to be over. We will have accomplished these things that we're doing at the church, and and then the church stuff it'll slow down. We're going to be fine." She'd be like, "It never slows down because it really doesn't." I mean, when we, when we look at a church calendar, by the time we get to Christmas, we get Christmas, then we hit New Year's, then we, for us, we do 21 days of prayer, so that's three weeks, and we run 90-day giving, then we end up with uh, Easter, and then there's Mother's Day, and then there's Father's Day, and you just run through the calendar. It just, it's just never-ending. I've learned to listen to my wife in those seasons. I'm not waiting for something to slow down to be intentional about what God has declared over my life. You are called to rest. So plan it. Plan time for you to spend time. For me, it's one day a week. So I work Monday through Thursday. I take Friday. That's my Sabbath. You try and get a hold of me on Friday, good luck. It's probably not happening. So I'm intentional about my time. You call somebody else on the staff. (laughs) I'm intentional. And one of the other things I try and do is I, I try and go away once a quarter. Maybe you need to get away for a couple days. Spend some time with Jesus. If you need recommendations on where to go, I can give you that later. Look at what David says, Psalm 4, verse 8. It says, in peace I will lie down. There might not be peace going on around me, but peace is not what's happening around me. It's what's happening in me. So in peace I lay down. doesn't mean that I'm not concerned about what's going on. I just know that Jesus is bigger than whatever I'm going through. So I lie down and I sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. I can rest knowing that God has me covered. Men, let me talk to you for a second. Some of us work 80 hours a week. And our goal is just to accumulate, 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 accumulate. Do you know how your family spells love? T-I-M-E. Time. Rest. Stop working or striving. You go back and look at Genesis 3. The the byproduct of the fall for men is that work will never be fully satisfying. You will never work enough. Choose to rest. Here's the second thing. Nourishment gives me enough strength to keep going. So it's not just about pausing. Pausing is important. But if I just stop and I don't do something then I'm not going to actually take the next step in what God has for me. Nourishment gives me enough strength to keep going. So it says this in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 7. Then the angel of the Lord came again, touched him, and said, Get up, eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. 
Maybe the reason why you haven't left one season and entered into the other is that you're not nourished enough or prepared enough to walk into what God has next. And God doesn't allow you to walk into what's next because he doesn't want you to get crushed by it. So God wants you and I to assess what we consume. Our nourishment matters. So physical nourishment matters. Like your amount of water that you intake matters. The food you eat matters. And I'll tell you this, last year during this time, when we, uh, when we started in the pandemic season, there were two things that Tori and I did. Well, three. One, we, we prayed a lot more. But then, then we, uh, we bought an espresso machine and a smoker. Because I thought, my life without coffee and barbecue, that is not a way to live. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So we knew we were going to be quarantined for a little while, and so we got an espresso machine, we got a, a smoker. But I'll be honest, I was running about 1,000 miles an hour. When we got into the COVID season, um, I was producing more content in a week than I averaged on six months. Yeah. And we were running at that pace for four months. And so in that season, I, kind of, I was just kind of eating whatever I was I was, I mean, I was just doing whatever I could to like get through the day and go to bed and then wake up and eat and wake up and eat. I was just stuck in this mundane routine, but I wasn't assessing what I was eating. And I got a smoker and I found out I really like smoking stuff. So what happened is when I stopped assessing what I was consuming, I ate so much pork that I ended up with the gout. <laughs> and it ain't gout, it's the gout. Cause I'm telling you when it comes, it comes hard. And it, I got to my doctor, and he grabbed my big toe, and I about punched him. And <laughs> he said, hey, man, you've been eating a lot of pork? I said, ain't none of your business right now. <laughs> no, I'm just. I'm just <laughs> I said, yeah, man, I have. He said, yeah, you got you to gotta, you gotta cut that out for a little bit. But the problem was I didn't assess what I was consuming. And it's not just physical stuff that we have to consume. It's the spiritual stuff, too. Because some of us, when we get into a dark place or we get exhausted, our, our outlet is to sit on the couch with a pint of ice cream and binge watch Netflix. And you might be able to do that for a day, but you do that for three months, you're going to be in trouble. Because what you consume dictates who you become. What you consume dictates who you become. And when you and I don't assess what we're consuming, what we're taking in, it makes a big difference in our life. When you're intentional with what you consume, you're able to walk better in the plans and purposes of God. So on the physical side, you need to assess. Scripture says your body is a temple. Some, some temples are better looking than others, right? But your body, regardless, is a temple. So assess what you're taking in physically. But let me talk to you spiritually for a second. You need to assess what you consume. Because as our world gets darker and darker, if you don't assess what you let in, at some point you're going to get to the place where something comes out of you and you go, I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Scripture says it's out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. Do you want to know what reflect what, what, what dictates the direction of your heart? What you let in whether it's TV or, or music or whatever. And I'm not here to tell you, you can watch this and you can't watch that. That's not, you got a Holy Spirit. You don't need me for that. But here's what I will say, you need to assess it. And I think you need to assess it frequently. 
If there's something you're doing, something you're watching, you're reading, or you're consuming that, that is, is dragging you away or kind of shifting the condition of your soul, you need to take some time and figure out if you really want to keep that in your life or if it needs to go. Just because everybody else is doing it, there's TV shows that people watch and everyone's like, man, you got to watch this. I, no, I just don't. And it's not because I'm, I think I'm better than anybody else. It just starts doing stuff to my soul, and I realize I care more about the condition of my soul than the temporary enjoyment of a TV show. Assess your nourishment. Because if you don't, you're not going to be ready for the journey ahead. We live in a constant state of preparation, of sowing and reaping. And as God gives you and I the ability to be invited into this wonderful plan he has for us, what we directly consume makes a really big difference. I love what Jesus says in uh, Luke 11, verse 2 through 4. It's Jesus talking. He said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Circle that word daily. Daily bread. I think if you really want to assess the nourishment that you are taking in, you've got to get some daily bread with the Lord. Like you've got to have daily time with God. And I'm not saying you have to overcomplicate it or over-spiritualize it. I love what Pastor Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands says. It's the 555 method. You're going to spend 15 minutes total. You're going to do five minutes of worship. You're going to do five minutes of Scripture reading. You're going to do five minutes of prayer. If you can do that, I think you're going to kickstart your way into getting the right nourishment into your life. Now, if you do the same rhythm for 15 years, you should probably, right, if somebody went to the gym and did the same routine for 15 years, you quit seeing results. Because at some point, you got stronger, but you didn't increase your methods. So, so don't, don't do that. But as you kind of grow, and you're like, oh man, I'm reading scripture, I want to dig a little deeper, spend more time in God's word. But the point is, you need to spend quality time with God. That's where nourishment comes from. I think you need to listen to, I, I'll tell you this, you need to listen to other pastors teach. Listen to podcasts. If I'm the only voice you ever hear, you may unintentionally develop a relationship with me and not Jesus. So you need to listen to other pastors. And if you need a recommendation, right, there's some weird ones out there. I mean, I'm not telling you just to, Google's a dangerous place sometimes. <laughs> if you need recommendations for who to listen to, I'd love to share my list with you. But you need to listen to other people teach God's word. What would your life look like if, if for, for, let's just say, one day a week, you turned off the murder mystery podcast and you listened to another pastor? Your soul would begin to get refreshed. The nourishment you'd have matters. In Exodus chapter 16, there's a, uh, the pastor says, God is providing quail and manna for his people, and he would do manna in the morning, quail in the evening. But one of the things that he told them is to not keep anything, uh, not, not to take any leftovers. Like, don't hold anything for the next day. I'm going to provide daily for you. And what they do, they didn't listen, because that's kind of how we work sometimes. God tells us something, and we don't listen. So they didn't listen. The next morning, it was rotten, because what God was trying to show them is he's a daily provider. I think many of us 
are living the same way. We live spiritually malnourished because the only time we spiritually eat is when we come into church. And so the pastor gives us a word and we're holding on to that word. We're eating, we're consuming, but then we leave and we don't eat till next weekend. Now, if some of y'all only ate real food once a week, you know how hangry you'd be? I fasted with some of y'all. I know, right? Like, Eating once a week doesn't work. You need spiritual nourishment daily. And so that's my challenge for you. If, you. if you came here today and you're exhausted, I'm telling you there's really good news. It's not that complicated to get out. Rest and nourishment. Maybe the best thing for you to do today is go home and take that nap. Maybe... Maybe you're a married couple and you've got kids and you don't even know what a nap looks like. Maybe you need to pay somebody to come babysit so you can nap. Maybe you need to just go to bed early. Maybe it's time for you to start that Bible reading plan with your friends to start the habit of getting intentionally into God's Word. Maybe you need to plan a getaway to spend some time with God and deal with some soul things. I don't know what your issue is and I don't know your exact route to get out. But here's what I do know. It's going to require action. When you hear a message like this and it's so simple, oftentimes you hear a message like this and it's like, oh, all I need to do is I need to rest and, and I need to start assessing what I consume. No problem. Here's what we're going to do though. The next couple of weeks are busy. But if we just get through those couple of weeks and then we do these three things, then we can rest. No. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. The Lord's called you to rest. He's called you to assess what you consume. I think the church would look a lot different if the body, the believers, really started watching what they took in. That's what we need to do this week. Rest. Nourishment. I'll read you Matthew eleven twenty eight one more time because I think it's powerful. It's the message translation. It says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? In other words, are you tired of just doing the same thing over and over? Where you come to church on Sunday and you get a little fired up, but Monday you walk into your workplace and you're already exhausted and you're already waiting for Friday to come and you get to Thursday and you're like, man, just one more day. And you get through Friday and then you've got the weekend, but you're dreading it because you know it's only going to last a couple of days and you get to Monday. Like, I think God made you for more than just living for your next vacation or your day off. Are you tired of living like that? Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I think a lot of us, when we read the words, learn to live freely and lightly, something in our soul leaps. I would love that. Well, how do we get there? It's simple. We just come to Jesus. 
And so today, with every head bowed, every eye closed in the room, I believe that there are some people who are exhausted, who are tired. And today, you'd say, hey, I know I need to turn to Jesus. I want to get out of my exhaustion and begin to live lightly and freely. If that's you, for just a moment, would you lift your hand? Say, hey, I'm tired. I want to find freedom. Come on. I see those all around the room. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray over you. And then I'm going to do a prayer of salvation. So keep your head bowed and eyes closed. Father, I come to you right now and I pray over every single person who is exhausted, whether in person or online. And I believe, Lord, that you are able to bring rest like never before. So, Lord, we speak it into existence right now that peace floods our hearts and our minds, that we find rest in you alone. God, may we learn those unforced rhythms of grace. For some of you in the room today, what you really need is a relationship with Jesus. Because we can talk about rest and we can talk about nourishment and we can talk about all the right things to do. But until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, none of it matters. It's just temporary at best. And Jesus didn't come to change your behavior. He came to change your life, to save you and set you free from the power and bondage of sin. And so today we are inviting you into the invitation that some of us have already accepted, which is to be yoked to Jesus, to be connected to him. And if you'd say, hey, pastor, I realize that I'm not connected to God, but I want to be. Would you just lift your hand for a moment and say, hey, today's the day I'm going to receive Jesus. I see that. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. Will you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.